your first time listening to She Is Becoming, welcome to the show. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find all of our episodes on all the major podcast platforms and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Actually, on some of our phones, it looks like just a plus symbol. So go ahead and hit that so you can receive notifications whenever we post a new episode. And follow us on Instagram at She Is Becoming Podcast to catch our behind the scenes, our Sunday prayer time, and our reels. We do really funny, sometimes inspirational reels. So go and check that out. I am your co-host Delaney and I am here in the studio with my co-host Bev as always. And Bev, I just have a question I'm dying to ask you, which is how has God been speaking to you lately? Well, he's been saying a lot actually, but I have to focus in on fear. Hmm. I'm seeing a lot of people talking about fear, maybe not using the word fear, but their their dialogue is fear-based. Yes. They're 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 not sleeping. They're filled with anxiety. They've gone to the doctor and got, you know, prescription medications for anxiety. Um, they're depressed. Uh, they find socially they're kind of suffering. So a lot of things uh, have come out of this pandemic and this um, seclusion that we've gone through and also all the political um Hot craziness, craziness. I was gonna say a hotbed. Everything's yeah, a hot you know. Mess, like, no matter yeah. what, where you land, it's someone's going to be criticizing you. So that creates a lot of fear in us that we're going to be rejected, fears that we're going to get sick, fears that our loved ones are going to get sick. Fear, 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 fear. Watch the news. Fear, fear, fear. And then you read local news here, and it's kind of frightening too. Mm-hmm. These carjacking of women um, is very alarming. My husband's very. Uh, anxious about that and you know is telling me again and again be aware be aware be aware look around you just be careful and here's what you do if you're in that situation so anyway fear is epidemic right now and I have uh, seen it in myself and I just have to keep turning that over to the Lord this is his world he is sovereign he knows what he's doing in fact this world has been worse off than it is and even is even now when you study history you realize that so you just have to take a deep breath Do what you can do. Ask the Lord, what's my role in this fear-based culture? And do that. And uh, keep in mind that it's all about Christ and about the gospel. Keep focused on what we need to be focused on. That's the answer to fear. Yeah. And Lord, we just ask too that if there is a sister who's listening who is man, really struggling with this fear that I, we pray that you would just um, melt that into just a supernatural trust in you. Yes. Um, and so we really just ask that in your name because that can really be debilitating. Very. So we do ask that for our sisters who are struggling with that and just for ourselves. That yes. is, um, yeah, that's that's really hard. But thank you for sharing that. Um, we all have moments like that, even if it's not an overarching theme in your life necessarily. Right. We, you will experience it. Absolutely. And I'm sure everyone can relate to experiencing it recently. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Bev, what are we talking about today? Well, um, we have you ever felt, Delaney, like your past prevents you from having strong faith in the Lord? Um, do you ever feel like your current situation limits what God can do in your life? I think that's something that the enemy wants to tell us in a lie. I think we've all experienced this to various degrees, although the scripture blatantly disagrees with us. Mm -hmm. Today, we are going to talk about a woman whose sordid past and present didn't prevent her risking her life due to her faith in God. 
We are doing a, going to do a four-part study on the lives of four biblical women. We're going to look into the lives of Tamar, Ruth, Hagar, and Rahab. Today is Rahab. We can learn so much from biographies and especially biblical biographies in God's Word. Amen. These women have something in common. They were the on the outside. They were not part of the covenant people, but God included them. And you know what? This is really encouraging to me. First, that God welcomes sinners of all groups to come to him in faith through Jesus Christ, his son. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave or free, neither is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is the truth, the underlying truth in these four lives that we're going to look at. Well, it's uniting. It is, isn't it? That shows you what Mm -hmm. is at the core of all of us. And like what should unite us is the fact that we have faith in the Lord. That's right. And no one's excluded from the opportunity to have that. Amen. Well, Delaney, tell us just the context now of Rahab's biography. Yeah, absolutely. So contextually today, we are going to be in Joshua 2 a lot, which takes place after um, Moses's leadership in the wilderness. Lots of famous stories from um, their time in the wilderness. But Joshua was Moses' successor, um, and he was called by God specifically for that role. And when God led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he promised them the, the famous, the promised land. Yes. But due to their disobedience um, of worshiping the golden calf, there were, man, lots of things that happened during this time, but that was a big one was worshiping the golden calf. Most of them were actually unable to enter the land. Yes, because um, of disobedience. They wouldn't go in when God said, go in. They, yeah. they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. And they also so they worshiped lost their opportunity. A, they mm-hmm. worshiped a golden idol. So that was yeah. pretty big. Yeah. Pretty big. Um, so now Joshua is in charge and he's following God's command and he sent two spies into the promised land, which was Jericho, just to secretly scope it out. Um, And so the spies, they go in and they stay in the house of Rahab, the prostitute. And the city was... Hello, what? I know that. Yeah. And just wait, because it gets more interesting. (laughs) That just right there is interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. um, And the city was already on high alert. And so staying at the prostitute's house really provided them, in a sense, um, anonymity. Oh, good well, point. Well, it kind of allowed them to like fly under the radar a little sure. bit. People come and go from there um, as they please. So um, definitely provided them anonymity. And plus her home was positioned on the city's outer wall, which made for an easy escape. And scripture, I think it's really clear to say that scripture does not allude to any sin being committed here by the spies. There's not an implication of that at all. And um, the king of Jericho finds out that the spies are staying there and he tells Rahab to bring the men out. And so instead of like caving to the king's command like she could have done, she covers for the spies. She actually says um, something along the lines of this. She's like, yes, they came here, but I didn't know where they came from and it was dark. I couldn't really see them and they left. So you should just hurry and go chase them, go overtake them. That was the gist. Uh, But covertly, Rahab actually uh, took the spies up to the roof and hid them under these big stalks of flax. Had to look that up, what flax was. (laughs) And it's basically this really tall um, plant, like three to four feet usually, and it's bundled together. So that's what she hid them under. And the men who were looking for the spies did leave um, her house, and Rahab came to the roof to talk to the spies. And what she says is so amazing, and I just want to read it here because it's so profound. You can find it in Joshua 2, 9 through 13. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt 
away before you. But we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you and you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save that you will save alive my father and mother my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death there was a lot in there but what i noticed first was that she remembered what god had done yeah she was well aware she was well these aware. people were aware of what the egyptians had you know how they had been harmed which for, is interesting mm-hmm. because you don't always think that other nations like we're sometimes we just read about israel right in the old testament we don't realize like man other nations would have been seeing this and yeah. this would have been crazy to them too yeah this was to be a witness to them yeah absolutely. and it was to her yeah. not to not to anyone else obviously though yeah which is sad but mm-hmm. um so the two situations that she describes here were first the red sea when the israelites were fleeing egypt and they were um if you remember they were stuck between the red sea and the egyptian army and moses tells the people do not be afraid and he tells them to wait and see what the lord is going to accomplish for them today he says the lord will fight for you you need only be still one of my favorite phrases in all of scripture me too just so profound um, and so god actually parted the sea so that the Israelites could flee Egypt and then God wiped out the whole Egyptian army. You know, I love this picture because they're they're in a hard place. They're really stuck mm-hmm. and it's going to be nothing but God that can get them out of that situation. And don't we relate? Oh my goodness. We need God to do supernatural things in our lives. We do. Especially we when do. we're stuck. We need him to fight for us. Absolutely. Um, and then the other situation that she describes that I actually had to look up, um, it was the destruction of King Og. And this story is found in Deuteronomy 3, where God basically hands Moses and the Israelites victory over King Og. And the same words, I thought this was really interesting, were used to describe God, the same kind of phrase. It first says, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So will the Lord do, so will the Lord do to all the kingdoms into which you are crossing. You shall not fear them. For it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Love it. The same phrase. And so both times those phrases were used during situations that could have interfered with Israel entering the promised land, Rahab's land. And so what God has promised, he will fight for. There is no adversary army or anything that can stop him. So what God has promised, he will fight for. It's like our salvation, right? Mm -hmm. Our salvation is kept by him. It's not kept by us. And so the spies enter into this oath with Rahab, like she was talking about in um, verses 9 through 13, that she and her family will be spared really due to her faith. Her home was in the city wall. And so what she did was she let the spies down outside of the wall by a rope. And the spies tell her to leave a scarlet cord outside her window. So everyone would know that that her house and all who were in her house would be spared. And the spies escaped. Their pursuers never found them. She sent them on a wild goose chase, really. And the spies delivered this message to Joshua. They say, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. And so 
all of those things that Rahab said are so profound, but I think there's a really just a couple of things that we can really learn from this part about Rahab. First would be that Rahab feared God over man because she saw the power and the might of our God. We know this because she remembered the things that God had done. And so she had seen how powerfully God had worked, how mighty he was. And we also see that just as the scarlet cord symbolizes Rahab's salvation, it also foreshadows the scarlet blood Christ spilled to be the atoning atoning sacrifice for our sin. I don't think it's coincidence that it was a scarlet cord. I don't either. I don't either. It's such a beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. They were rescued. She was a sinner, obvious sinner, easy to pick out sinner. And yet she was the one spared because of faith. And really, that's all of us. (laughs) It's really all of us. It's all of us. It's all of us. Absolutely. Sometimes, man, we think like, okay, her sin is so bad. Her sin is worse. But that's not true. No, it's not. One sin puts you in the category of sinner. Amen. Yeah. Well, this is really, we could call this crazy faith. It's crazy faith. It's crazy faith. And let's just define that for a minute. What do we mean by that? Rahab really is mentioned even in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, as well as in uh, Matthew in Christ's genealogy. In Hebrews 11, this is that chapter that just highlights all the people who had fame of faith. It it is. It's really beautiful. Love to read it. Uh, kind of, because <laughs> because a lot of them really suffered. Yeah. And yeah. it says here about Rahab, it says in Hebrews 11, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, also they suffered greatly, didn't they? If you skip down a verse, it said, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that part from us, that they should be not be made perfect. So what this is really saying is they they had hoped in something that was future. They didn't receive it in this life, but they knew that they were going to be rewarded in the kingdom to come when Christ comes. So Hebrews 11 really describes this kind of crazy faith that really is genuine faith. And it defines faith because Hebrews 11 once, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So that's like a a perfect description example of what that actually means. Yeah, it is. It's kind of putting it in today's vernacular. Crazy faith puts aside the former life for something far better. And that, of course, is the Lord. Crazy faith tells us that God can change anyone. Rahab, a prostitute, a traitor to her own people, yet she is included in King David's bloodline. And then, of course, ultimately, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Crazy faith trusts God even in the face of persecution and death. And that's really what we see in Hebrews 11. They they were up against incredible odds and suffering and they persecution. They did, and they, but yet they kept their focus on God and his promises of the hope that was in their heart of that future kingdom. That's crazy faith. Crazy faith is not expecting this world to be heaven, but looks forward to that kingdom of God, that eternal kingdom. Rahab really is in elite company of God's people, and so is everyone, Delaney, who belongs to Christ. So, Delaney, let's go back to our earlier question. Does your past disqualify you from having a crazy faith? 
Yeah, I feel like this is something that we all fe- we all have felt. Like I know that I have just with the things that I have done, and even when I still commit sin, I'm like, man, like how can God use me? Mm-hmm. Like how could God use me? Like I'm broken, I'm sinful, like I've done so many horrible things. I think we can all relate to that. Like how could God use me? And so I feel like we just it's really biblical just to say like your past doesn't limit what God can do with your future. It's that's that is a truth but also a truth is that sometimes our sin uh, brings with it consequences mm-hmm. that will limit our future. Um, I just think of, a, of pastors who have infidelity. Uh, the pulpit is really a closed book to them. And there's many other examples of that, but that doesn't mean that that pastor, that God can't redeem that that sin and even the consequences in a way to bring himself glory. Yeah, well, it really shows you that it's it's really God's future. It might not be the future that you were expecting or the future that's going to look good on the outside or the future that's going to make you uh, more influential or wealthier or whatever. It's it's the future that God has laid out for you. Um, And so maybe you need to hear that. Like your past doesn't limit what God can do. That's the key is like what God can do with your future. And so, um, yeah. And you know, Delaney, I think he delights in using the most unlikely. I agree. I, and I put myself in that category. Me too. I really do. Little girl from South Dakota, I, I knew nothing. Uh, I still know very little, maybe in a thimble I could put it, but I'm just, I still marvel that God can use me, me, and, and I know you feel the same way. Oh, sometimes it's like overwhelming. Like I feel an overwhelming sense of like, God, I had a baby when I was 19. How are you using me? But it's just, it just shows you it's not about me. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with me. Mm. We are just here to be like Isaiah says, like, here I am. Yeah. And Rahab did that. She she laid it all on the line mm-hmm. for God, even she though did. regardless of who she was, and she knew God was holy and powerful, and yet she believed. Mm-hmm. So, and we see this, Rahab's past didn't disqualify her from receiving salvation or from being a part of God's promise, which is just super cool. In fact, where she lives as a prostitute was the perfect way for the spies to um, maintain anonymity when she hid them. I can't say the word anonymity, Um, but man, like God really used even what she was, even the situation she was in and where she lived. God used that. So God's promises, they aren't dependent on our faith. Rather, our faith is dependent on what he's promised. And so God would have gotten the spies out of Jericho with or without Rahab. And I think it's important to say that. But God would have, and God would have given the promised land with or without Rahab. Okay. But God's mercy is evident when he uses his people to fulfill his promises and he transforms them in the process. So not only is it merciful that he would choose to use us, but he actually changes me as he uses me. Yeah. Like that is just, I mean, that's just mercy. Mm-hmm. It's just the mercy of God. And so seeing how God transform, transforms people brings others to the Lord. I think that's partly why testimonies are so powerful because we see how God transformed your life. And so both in the Red Sea and in the destruction of Ah. God like flexed his powerful right arm to destroy adversaries. And that testimony of God's power is what inspired Rahab's crazy faith. She saw the power of the God of Israel. And so furthermore, I think if you think of how God used Rahab's testimony, Rahab, a prostitute, she is Jesus' distant grandmother and Jesus came from her line. So your past doesn't limit what God, emphasis on God can do with your future. 
And your past doesn't limit how God can impact generations to come through you. And that's really just a testimony of him and his mercy. Um, and it just has nothing to do about us, really. And so, Bev, like, how would you challenge us today with the story of Rahab and these markers that you shared of just crazy, radical faith? Well, again, crazy faith is real faith. The world usually does not understand it, so it looks crazy. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And yet, when you believe, it's the only thing that really makes sense in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really the most sane way to live is to live with this crazy faith. Crazy faith is true faith on fire for the Lord. Crazy faith is willing to let the consequences fall where they may, but you are fully committed to him. And it's right where God wants us. Yes. He wants us on that borderline of crazy because that means we're so dependent on him. Yeah. We're completely surrendered. Completely surrendered. And that's a daily, that is a daily uh, prospect for us each day. I I wake up and I try to always remember to say, Lord, here I am. I'm your living sacrifice. Mm Crazy faith is available to everyone, and that is when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and like Rahab, not looking back to what your past was, but looking unto him for the salvation that he offers, you too can have this kind of crazy faith and begin living a life like you've never known before. You can have that crazy faith that puts all your trust in Christ and his goodness and righteousness and not your own. Mm. And then he will grow you and move you and bring you and and purpose for you, uh, his greatest purpose. Um for you in this life and in the life to come. So crazy faith. I love Rahab. I think she's a great example for us as women because we Mm -hmm. always feel inadequate from one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Uh, We always shrink away from thinking that we're holy or that God is holy. Uh, And so this is an important story. An important thing to keep in mind was Rahab, the prostitute. She was the one because she knew, I feel, the scripture doesn't say this, but I feel she knew she was a sinner. Mm-hmm. And she was humble enough to associate herself then with God. Mm-hmm. And that it takes that. Mm-hmm. It takes that. And sometimes it takes being uh, a sinner to know that you're a sinner, obvious sinner. People who are sinners, who maybe they're not you know, a prostitute, but just doing other kinds of sins, yeah. don't put themselves in that category so they yes. see no need for the gospel. Mm-hmm. But Rahab had a need, and she knew to put her faith where to put the faith. And that was crazy faith in the Lord. Amen. That's beautiful. Would you mind praying for us and just the sisters listening? Heavenly Father, we look at this life of a woman, a very courageous woman, Lord. She was headed 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction, and yet you came into her world, and you showed yourself and your power to her. And she did a 180, Lord. She wanted to associate with you and with your people. She left her life and began a new life, a a life of crazy faith in you, Lord, and ended up being a distant grandmother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, give us a renewed hope in when we feel in despair about our sin and assure us of our forgiveness and assure us that you still have a plan even when we look back on where we went wrong and where we have sinned that we can look forward with you and that doesn't always disqualify us and even the disqualifications can be used for God's good and perfect purposes in our life. So, Lord, we lift this all up to you in that great name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.